welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right, this is going to be fun. Up we go. Into time and space. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. So what have we been up to this week, darling? Uh, busy, but nothing in particular. Yeah, just sort of chilling. Yeah, I don't know that we'll have free time coming up, but eventually looking forward to getting back on our 11th Doctor rewatch. Oh gosh, it's been ages. I know, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to continue our third Doctor watch. Um, we'll rewatch. The second series start of uh, John Pertwee as the third Doctor, the first appearance of Joe, the first appearance of the Master. We've all seen that, the Terror of the Autons with scary clay monsters and all that. So we can, you know, half watch it. But and then... it's April, so we also have to do fourth Doctor stuff, right? <laughs> so we're booked. Yeah, we are booked solid. Don't give us television recommendations this month, please. Mm. Well, is there any, uh, how's your... What, what, what are you currently reading? I know it's nothing Doctor Who related. Are you reading anything currently? Dribs and drabs. Because I know you have various Doctor Who or Torchwood or whatever somewhere in your back catalog. So two weeks ago, we did our third Doctor talk because it was March. <laughs> yes. But we sort of did some random John Pertwee stuff. You know, not necessarily just the third Doctor, but some of that and as well. And in some cases, really random John Pertwee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today we're just going to do some generic Pertwee talk, you know, nothing in particular. So um, one documentary that we watched that was available on the YouTube. was oh, YouTube. Yeah, that was, it's a documentary called Reverse the Polarity, and we'll post that link in the show notes. But I'll just read a quick synopsis here. Um, on the 20th of March, 1992, John Pertwee spoke candidly to Liam Michael Rudin, if I'm saying that name correctly, about his life in show business. And John was 73 at the time. And they followed him around Edinburgh Hotel as he did a press call, did a buffet lunch, met with some fans, because it was sort of the release of Third Doctor, John Pertwee years kind of videotape thing. What would you sort of think of just seeing John Pertwee sort of in real life? Yeah, I think that was it the, was talking about the idea that Pertwee was Pertwee as a doctor. Right. Which seemed pretty clear to me in this, you know, this sort of highlighted that he was just the doctor doing, you know, normal (laughs) everyday Pertwee things, but the doctor. Right. Mostly. Sort of seemed like the same person you've seen. Yes. As the character. Yes. Although lots of interesting, I mean, it's you get to see some of the comedy stuff in the interview. You know, mm-hmm. like he is just, he can't do things, he can't talk to people without doing impersonations or, you know, things like that. That constant sort of on the go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I enjoyed sort of hearing different tales about the hotel he was at. He remembered being a young man in the Navy. Uh, told an interesting story about it was during the war, uh, or you know, World War Two. I said specify because um, he talked about the blackout uh, yes. years. And, yeah, and it being pitch dark and losing his hat. Yeah, and then finding it. Yeah, it's, these are things. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it is interesting to sort of think of him of being of that time of that generation because. 
You know, I mean, what little I know of the man, he doesn't necessarily seem in any particular old fuddy-duddy. I mean, in his own way, I suppose. But, you know, he, he, he it's as a World War II uh, vet in that generation, he still seems pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I thoroughly enjoyed getting to see Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, and it was sort of also interesting to see, because I'm sure... You know, even back then, you know, in the 90s, just doing the fan events and something, you know, I'm sure it can not always be the most interesting thing in the world, you know, signing people's stuff or whatever. But but he seemed to, you know, enjoy it as much as he could be. Yes, and you could see him putting it on, you know, stepping out of the TARDIS and uh-huh. posing in front of the TARDIS. And it's it's one of the things that you see in so many of the Doctor's is that willingness, the understanding that that role is a little bit for life. Right. Whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you know. With with the Marvel movies coming out, you know, it's it's not a dissimilar, you're just always going to be that character. Yeah. No matter those... what else, what other brilliant things you do. Mm-hmm. It'll be the first line on the obituary. Yes. Yeah, I did like his, because I had heard it, of course I've forgotten it though, but him being told that there were police boxes. He's like, there's no police boxes. He's like, there are in Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not anymore. Yes. That I remember, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Of course, they're different looking, of course, but still. Yeah. Bigger on the outside, strangely <laughs> it enough. Did look. And one of the things about this sort of documentary, if you will, is that there's a lot of uh, interviews with uh, Richard Franklin, who played Captain Mike Yates of, of the unit, who we actually... We'll meet as we begin the second series, because he was not in the first series. So. Oh, okay, good. Because I kept trying to figure out which one he was, and I couldn't find his face in the old man that they were interviewing. <laughs> so that helps to know that, oh, I wasn't expected to. Yeah, we've seen one or two uh, serials, but, you know, I know it's all a little bit spotty now that we're watching it in order. Hopefully it'll all make a little more sense. But anyway, it was interesting to sort of hear about his recollections of, of working with John and, and working on the, that during that time. And the idea that John Pertwee never had any intention of retiring. Right. Yeah, he seemed aghast about the whole thought. You know, what else would I do? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Which I think is interesting. And it's also interesting to hear, I think, with Richard Franklin, he talked about how he and Manning, Joe Grant... Katie. Katie, yes. Sort of had some chemistry going on, so... Yes, although... Katie Manning apparently blind as a bat. Yes, that was an interesting thing we learned throughout a lot of this stuff, that apparently, yes. And she didn't wear her glasses... As Joe, Mm -hmm. and contact lenses didn't exist? I don't know. Or who knows. Yeah, so anyway, she would have her glasses on and figure out where she needed to go and then take them off and just sort of stumble through. And that's one of the reasons that the doctor and Joe were so tactile. (laughs) Because John Pertwee's leading her around the set. Yeah, like John John was basically saying she's up for anything. It's because she can't see what the heck we're doing. Yeah. So, oh, you know, in a plane, in a thing, you know, she doesn't know. She's just Along one foot in front ride. of her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was interesting to see sort of his energy and his interest. Because, I mean, like like all folks, you know, when you, when you get older, you know, you, you like to talk about the old days. But I still think he, he was definitely engaged. Someone you could hang out with. Yes, and very proactive about his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talks about taking, and we're going to talk about uh, Wurzel coming up, but mm-hmm. he talked about taking that 
concept or first script or whatever and being like, here's your new show. Yeah. And the television station was like, mm, no. And so then he goes to another place and he's like, aren't you lucky? They turned it down. Here's your <laughs> new show. And they're like, mm, I don't know. But then he apparently did that for 10 years, but we're going to come to that. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that he is always hustling, you know, that he, yeah. he does want to be a working actor. And, and I forget why you may have learned or maybe we didn't learn why he, he gave up being Doctor Who. Um, I mean, I assume it was just no, the... No, yeah, I don't remember them talking about it much. I mean, I assumed it was just the, I've done my time. Because I, I, there's sort of, and I feel like I've heard this, and, and maybe I've just made it up, you know, sort of like the George Washington precedent about two terms, but like, I think there's the Pat Troughton precedent, where Pat, I think, sort of basically would tell all the other actors, you probably just want to do three years. And yeah, then... although Pertwee does four, right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking that was what they just said. Uh, Maybe. On the YouTube that we yeah. were watching is four years as the doctor. But right. yeah, that idea that don't wear out your welcome, right. I guess. And also, you don't, I mean, I, every actor, well, I say every actor, but the of course the premise is you don't want to be typecast in that role. Yeah, and I think also you don't want the doctor to be typecast as you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you run too long. Tom Baker then it makes it really hard to imagine the new guy or right. gal, as yeah. the case may be. And I think that was, you know, and we'll, it'll be interesting when we, we talk Tom Baker and the fourth Doctor, who both for good and for ill uh, was the Doctor um, for a long time. And, and whether that hurt, say, Peter uh, when he took over for the fifth Doctor, because that was sort of a big scarf to fill. And, As it were. Yes, and so and so that was sort of an interesting thing. But anyway, not that I'm an expert, but it was interesting sort of learning about... Richard Franklin was talking about Captain Yates, like, one of the first times he met John. And, you know, they're talking about, oh, you know, John's like, well, what have you done? And then he's like, oh, yeah, I've done one radio. Like, oh, radio's really good. You should do it. Yes, and then he's like, yeah. Oh. And he had, he had done, yeah, 20 years of radio <laughs> yeah. before Doctor Who. So, yeah, but knowing that John's history was predominantly the radio and the... Na- forget what it's called, the Navy Te- Lark or whatever. Teaching grandma to suck eggs, I think, is the, the common phrase for that. But mm-hmm. Is that a phrase you know? No. Okay. But in the, the Navy radio show, comedy show that he was on, and the, that he came from a comedic background, which we had talked before. Yeah, and yeah, because so, it had sort of surprised me, but very much physical comedy. And a voice guy. Yeah. And what did you think about sort of hearing from the the, the fans um, on the coast for some bizarre reason? <laughs> the, the, the fans on the beach of Brighton. Yeah. Uh, keeping in mind, obviously, that I'm using the word beach in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. And as far as Brighton goes, yeah, weren't they nerdy? Yes. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> and it was interesting. I was trying to remember, because the way the documentary worked, oh, it's out of my head, maybe you remember. It was something like where John was talking about one of the serials or episodes he did and he's like oh yeah no i hated this one and the fans like my favorite is when john did this part because he seemed to be really good at it yeah (laughs) yeah i forget what that was but i just thought that was a funny or unintentionally i assume um cross section there um but anyway well another uh youtube if you will documentary um is the doctor who at 40 uh this was i forget what year this was but basically it was you know whatever uh 40th anniversary that's easy. 19 uh you no, know. not that easy but the yes, 40th it is. Anniversary. 1963 plus 40 oh yeah that's, <laughs> that's very easy 2008 1910 3 <laughs> what is year? wrong with you so anyway 2003 <laughs> okay in colloquial terms <laughs> the year of our lord anno domini 
But it, this is one I'd seen before. Basically, this is when they... It was, you know, TV thing, obviously, um, where they would show the different episodes sort of rated from fans for each Doctor. Yes. So they had little snippets for each Doctor. And so we watched a little bit. Uh, it was interesting to sort of see a little bit more interviews with the companions. So, for instance, we saw uh, Liz Sladen, you know, Sarah Jane, of course. and Who then, we always love. And then Katie Manning as Joe Grant. Who I'm becoming quite fond of. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting as we see her more. She makes me giggle. And then Nick Courtney, of course, is the, from the Brigadier. Yes, who I was not sure necessarily liked John Pertwee all that much. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I think, I, I, what I think was interesting about Nick that they keep talking about is that the it sounded like John and the crew, whether it was, you know, him and Katie or him and Liz or him and, you know, uh, all the other unit crew, basically like to have a lot of fun you know because john said something about like the producers would be like oh you aren't taking this seriously and john being of course a very adult actor would be like no we take this very seriously um but you know we have fun when the, you say cut and when you say actually we will take it seriously but it just seemed like nick like they were always trying to break him and never could because yeah. talk about like actors who are themselves it seems nick is a bit of a brigadier as well yes quite possibly <laughs> not the eye patch brigadier no. either though he did enjoy playing that apparently yeah oh well who wouldn't <laughs> who wouldn't but yeah that, that was sort of interesting to hear from them and you got a little bit of the producers so i'm i'm, I'm not great with names folks so you can yell at me listeners but the first producer of the third doctor who was only there for a short time and I don't know if it was true, but they were, they were telling John, I think maybe in the, in the first documentary, that maybe he was cast for more of a comedic feel for the Doctor. And they said, what was he going to play? He's going to play an instrument, wasn't he? Oh, yes. What was it? Because oh, they crap. said since Pat had played the uh, recorder, they were going to have him. Was it a guitar or what? I forget what it was. Maybe, which they will not bring back until the 12th Doctor. So, yeah. So I thought that was. Yeah, may- yes. It was a guitar and. Because he, apparently, John Pertwee was oh. also a folk singer a little bit, <laughs> which we didn't find anything no. about in our in our well, John Pertwee deep dive. Just keep, there is a, he did write, well, I don't know if he wrote it, but he at least performed, of course, one of the songs from the musical, uh, the, the kid's show. Oh, yes. And so we'll have to look that up later. But yeah. Was, there was it's a all song. very weird. Yeah. But yes, so the idea being, you know, maybe he would be sort of folk singer-esque which yeah let, let's all have a moment and picture who john pertwee is as the doctor and who he might have been if he had made him folk the, the comedic singer yeah. yeah that's weird it, it was funny and, and of course i mean he can say this so many years later but john was like oh well if he had if he had done that i would have quit you know i'm like sure you would but anyway yeah. yeah it was it was sort of in, and then with uh barry letts i guess who was the uh producer for for all the third doctor time and then terrence sticks who was uh, the script supervisor or whatever the terms were mm-hmm. but anyway, those were sort of the two people who dealt with john at least for you know as the showrunner's sure, headshed whatever you want to call it part the non-actor part <laughs> the writer's part so but it was interesting to hear that you know uh it sounded like you know john you know knew what he wanted <laughs> I don't know if they said he was difficult, but you know that I guess at times he was, you know, said his opinion. Knew what he wanted. Yeah, didn't always get his way. And right. Maybe that's you know, but was not afraid to be like, mm, this is how we should do it. And then they were not afraid to say, mm, <laughs> stay in your lane. Yeah. So, but that, that that's good. I mean, you certainly you know it's, it, and it'd be interesting how long it took John to feel like he knew the character of what 
You know, so when he yeah, can say, he like, said, I don't think the doctor would say this. Or, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, to settle in. and But that's true, isn't it? It takes people a while to mm-hmm. figure out their voice. Yeah, it was, it's, I'm trying to remember if someone had a comment about how the first series wasn't, I guess it maybe it was more the comic stuff that they thought was, you know, would settle down or would go away or something. You know, you had the. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, I know what it, yeah. Because I think that was, it was, was, I was thinking about, the fan was talking about how, like, you know, with uh, John singing in the shower in the first serial. And the and wheelchair. Then, yeah. And, the, yeah, and, yeah. And John's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, <laughs> quite enough of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But speaking of Pertwee's comedy appeal. So, yeah, this this other side of him that apparently is, is you know, if you know John, per- John Pertwee as the doctor, that's probably just either the first or second thing in the obituary. Yeah. It's actually uh, Warzel Gummidge is, is also what he's very much known for. Yes, a Scarecrow character, yeah. uh, which he did for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was on ITV for the most part, and it began in 1979, and it was uh, four series in the UK, and the rest were in New Zealand. And it was also was a, a staged musical. As well for a short time on the West End and other locations. Obviously, with the entire original cast, right? right? Yes, and of course the uh, love interest might be the wrong word, but the love interest of the show, uh, Aunt Sally, is played by Una Stubbs. Una Stubbs, who we know mostly from Sherlock. Sherlock, as as oh lordy, I should really know her name. Um, as the landlady. Yes. Gosh, I can't believe I don't know that character's name. I should know. Mrs. About something. I'm yes. sure. Yes, but anyway. So yeah, this was that. That was kind of cool because you recognized her first, and yeah. then you were like, "Guess who that is?" And yeah. I, and I, as as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, "Ah, that's it's Una Stubbs. Of yeah. course it is." Because we I remember we stumbled upon her in one of your favorite Big Finish productions of the Eighth Doctor. Oh yes, yeah, she's Glamrock in the Glamrock one. I'd forgotten about whatever, that. Whatever, as yeah. the waitress or whatever yeah. she was, who turns out to be Lucy's aunt or something. Something I don't know. Yeah, was. that was some sort of weird thing. So we like a little bit of Una Stubbs. This this whole Wurzel Gummidge thing? Yeah, so we, Boy, that's weird. Yeah. So we ended up watching an episode. I'm trying to remember. It was from the first series. The Marriage. It was... Uh, so we actually watched um, the last episode from Series 2, The Scarecrow Wedding, which was on February 24th, 1980, before I was even born. Look at that. Yes. And so this was just sort of... Uh, was. Well, the only one I could find, I was trying to find the first episode, but I couldn't find it online. So we watched that. And what did you think of that bit of children's program? That was weird as hell. <laughs> so weird. I am surprised that there are so many normal British people walking around uh-huh. who were exposed for 10 years, well, or four years or whatever, mm-hmm. to Wurzel Gummidge. That was weird. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah, well, for one thing, you know, because you, you watch the third Doctor, and maybe it's just the tuft of gray hair. Um, you know, he seems older. Not old, but older. And so to watch this, which was later, obviously post-Doctor Who, he almost seems younger. Yeah, And I know it's I just the makeup, that. probably. It's but... the makeup, and it's the physicality. Yes. I mean, it's he's so Matt Smith floppy yeah. um, in this, because he's a scarecrow. Yeah. Um, and he has a prosthetic nose yeah. and hay everywhere. And then they do, spoiler alert, if you've not seen this particular episode of Wurzel Gummidge, uh-huh. spoiler alert, they have a dance party at the end of the episode and everyone does a choreographed performance. Yes. 
Which is weird as hell. <laughs> I mean, I can see it as, I mean, it's obviously very much a children's show. Though I think when they were talking about John, he also said adults like, I don't know if he was just saying that. But he was sort of very defensive about like, well, adults liked it as well. I think it would have scared me, though. I mean, it's not Sesame Street. I mean, maybe if it helped if you knew the story. Like, in other words, it's based on a children's, children's story. Book. Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe. So it's sort of come to life. You know? I don't know. Like, maybe if like there was a Raggedy Ann and Andy or something, you know. But a live action version. Yeah, exactly. So. Which, again, sounds terrifying. Because <laughs> there's a lot of subtle things. Again, I haven't only just watched one episode. But it's almost a little Calvin and Hobbes in that we only see the children interacting. So is it like this sort of land of make-believe? Right. We only see the children interacting with all of these scary characters. (laughs) Strange and unusual (laughs) characters, including a young Barbara Windsor, Mm -hmm. which British fans will know from one of the soaps. I can't remember Mm -hmm. which one it is. And that's not true. I guess there was the one adult, his... Creator, I forget what the character's yeah. name. Yeah, who's who agrees uh, well, d- to, to the marry, wedding? Yeah. yeah, so I guess that's not entirely true. But anyway, but I just just the concept. Like I know it's stupid, but I like the or like everyone did the wedding march. But it would it would be the solemn, solemn, and then it'd be dance party, dance party, solemn, solemn, dance yeah. party, dance party. I mean, I thought that was kind of cool and interesting, just to create and inhabit this culture and world uh, that's a children's you know motif world of of what scarecrows would be. Um, with, you know, dark uh, Australians and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that guy was going to cut you, I think. <laughs> he was. And that kid was running around stealing things, I And they think. were beating him senseless. <laughs> and and that's how he raised kids in the 1980s in beating Britain. beating him senseless. It was, seriously, I think this show might have scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me if I'd watched it as a child. Would have had nightmares. Because it's, like, you know, it's not, you know, I was going to say it's not bright and sunshiny. And, of course, it does take place in England, so. I suppose to an extent, there's there's something to that. But yeah, it just felt quite, you know. Well, because like even the part where the the show begins, or the episode begins, where uh, Aunt Sally's uh, in the the washing machine. machine, Upside down. But like, you know, because his Warzel's supposed to be sort of in love with her. But he's, like, pretty much an ass to her. Like, oh, well, I see you're stuck in the washing machine. Well, I'll get on my way now, you know. Yeah, and I'll leave you there. But she's kind of dreadful to <laughs> well, him, yes, too. yes, they're all dreadful. They I think, are. Uh, yes. This is not. The kids seem nice enough. The kids seem fine. Bland. Yeah. <laughs> at best. But, yeah, you know, because particularly we're watching The West Wing right now. Yeah. And, and that get, is, is very, it is filmed darkly. Yes. You know, the, the, the White House looks like a very dark place to work. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that Wurzel Gummidge's world is a very dark place to live <laughs> in. Yeah, and when the kids are on their way to the wedding, they totally lie to the grown-ups about where they're going. And the adults sort of just, they're like, well, we seem worried, but you're, <laughs> dressed, you're dressed very smartly. How can we argue? <laughs> exactly how much trouble could you be getting into? <laughs> in your fancy clothes. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was such a weird experience. And I, of course, said that to mm. you. Uh, this might be the weirdest thing you've ever watched. And, and I said, look, we watched Probe. <laughs> yeah, so. so fair point. Fair point. The 80s, and I guess that was the 90s, technically. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the weirdest thing of the, of the 80s. Delving Probe into could the, be the weirdest dark thing of the 90s. side of Doctor Who. <laughs> 
So yeah, it'd be interesting to listeners if, if any of you, presumably only British people, um, watched or Kiwis, yeah, well, that's true. Watched uh, Warzel, you know, let us know if you liked it or if you just thought it was bizarre as well. And if it gave you nightmares, <laughs> dying to know. I mean, don't get me wrong, we got our own sins. I mean, mm-hmm. Teletubbies, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, would do anything other than give children nightmares. Now, now but you, at least it's bright. Now you have to think of an actor who was in a thing, but then was in a children's thing afterwards, and then that afterwards. was nightmarish. Well, that's what this is. So you no, know. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, because you get the ones who pre pre, yeah, yeah, you know, Morgan Freeman doing Spider-Man narration for the Electric Company, right? But yeah, afterwards, yeah, something to think about. Yes, we'll mull it over. We'll mull it over. Yeah, and like it, it's again, it's it's just interesting that John did create this whole separate thing. So it's like, oh, you may know me from Doctor Who, or you may know me from Warzone. Creepy Scarecrow Show. Yeah, so it, he sort of had a life after the TARDIS. Definitely. Which I mean, you know, not all of them have had. I mean, they've done. St- everyone has done stuff. I mean, mostly probe. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like Sylvester McCoy's. I mean, he's done a bunch of stuff. I'm not trying to pigeonhole. But, like, Lord of the Rings, Peter Davison has done Law and Order UK. I mean, people have done things, but not, you know, like, on their second, in the first sentence of the obit, not a lot of them have two things. Well, yes. like, Peter's, I mean, he did All Creatures Great and Small before he did Doctor Who, so maybe that's unfair. He sort of did the reverse. Had yes. a big show and then went to another big show. But anyway, but as far as the other ones, you know, so. I mean, like, obviously. At the top of Peter's obituary is father-in-law today yes. let's be honest <laughs> i mean all the new who pe- i mean i'm not trying to poo-poo the classic people at all but of course the new who people actually will have lots of stuff i mean chris eccleson he's gonna be like the last thing in chris eccleson's yes, yes <laughs> it is um at his request yeah. it may not even be included he sort of like reminds me of the thomas jefferson example who like on his epitaph is like signer of the declaration of independence uh founder of the university of virginia and, like, I think uh, author of the Declaration of something of religious principles for the state of Virginia. Like, nothing about being president, you know. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes, that's going to be Christopher Eccleston. Mm-hmm. He wants Nout to do with yes. it as Tor. Cool. Well, yeah. So, and then we sort of took a moment talking about sort of John Pertwee's post-hardest years to... Talk about his children. Yes, we went from watching Wurzel yeah. on YouTube to then you Googling Sherlock. I'm not Sherlock. Elementary. elementary. I've never actually seen a full episode of Elementary. I think I've seen a couple. So, just sort of randomly. So, because uh, apparently Sean Pertwee, uh, John's son, of course, played Inspector Lestrade, which I think is interesting, having the Lestrade from both, obviously, the Sherlock Holmes um, stories, but then uh, Sherlock the BBC series. Um, so I was like, that, that was interesting that Sean uh, plays Lestrade in elementary. So I wanted to, but I couldn't find it, which I thought was slightly frustrating because we have CBS all access and one would think that old CBS shows would be on all access, but I actually got a tweet from CBS all access about it. Oh, did you? So, yeah. I wondered if you would. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I was slightly, you know, whatever about it, but they, you know, they my said, husband tweeted at CBS all access. <laughs> And then they respond, due to streaming rights, some seasons or shows are no longer available. Yeah, because I didn't know if that, because without knowing the show. It's a very generic answer, by the way. Yeah, because I didn't know if elementary is like popular in as much as that, like, we want to sell Blu-rays and DVDs and not have it for free on all access. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I got nothing. That was my only thought of maybe why 
because I don't know. I guess all stuff is made independently, but presumably if it was on CBS, CBS has some sort of stake or stock hole. I don't know. I know the production's all different, but anyway. Yeah. No, one would I presume agree. they have a finger in there somewhere where they could be like, yeah. Anyway, we skipped that yes, and we went did. to... To where I knew him from a little bit, where I knew Sean Perchwee from, and that is, of course, Gotham. Um, and I probably, if I was smarter, would have picked a more um, episode that focused on him. But I just went with the first episode of Gotham, which uh, features Sean Perchwee introduced as Alfred. Yes, and Bruce boy, he looks like his dad. Mm-hmm. Just so much. And and I because I can think of at least because I, I didn't watch all of Gotham, but I watched the first two seasons. Uh, there's one episode maybe in season two that's uh, someone from uh, Alfred's past uh, comes and there's it's a, more of an episode that way. But anyway, he he has and you would know of course I'm not even going to attempt to say what kind of accent he has. So you you heard it a little bit, but like he doesn't have what you would think the Alfred posh. Like he's a, he's yes. a little bit more yeah yeah he's not RP at yeah, all. Yeah. A little bit more bruiser. A little bit more. South London. Yeah, because, I mean, he sort of plays... I mean, he's Alfred, the you know, as you would think from Batman, but, like, he comes from more of a, like, I used to beat people up background. Yes. Um, you know, as well, which is what that, you know, episode's a little bit more about, one of his old soldier buddies or whatever it was. Visit. But, yeah, I, I think it is an interesting role for him. And, of course, it's just... You know, it's he. He's obviously the spitting image of his father as well. Yes, so he's got the the Pertwee nose, and but I, I mean, even the the, the as because he's not that old. Um, though probably as old as his father was when he did Doctor Who, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, the sort of the wrinkles of even sort of very reminiscent of his the dad. Pertwee hair. Yeah. You know, it's not. Well, his white, is a little more disciplined. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. still, yeah. You can tell. You can see the the curls mm-hmm. in it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. So yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see how how that goes because we, we we saw the five ish doctors reboot or whatever that one we watched with the you know and Sean was on there for two seconds. I think he was sitting with first cast Olivia yes, Coleman. Yes, he was sitting with Olivia. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, okay. And she's like, I'm oh, everything. I didn't know and that. Like, yeah. So that was sort of the. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So what did you sort of think of this uh, getting to know John a little bit better? Yeah, no, I always enjoy that. I mean, you know me. I like to have random information about actors in my head. And now I feel like I have more random information about John Pertwee in my head. That's never a bad thing. At some point, it's going to win me a pub quiz. <laughs> well, and, and as to put you on the spot, as a director, <laughs> having seen John in two big roles, not all of it, of course, but like, what do you think of him as an actor? What's his sort of range, his strengths, his... I mean, obviously, his strengths are certainly more comedic. Mm-hmm. Doct- yeah, very, again, you know, very much like Matt Smith, Doctor, very lanky. But I'm not sure he... It's difficult because even though Doctor Who, he didn't play Doctor Who as a comedic character, he's also not a character that has a tremendous amount of depth. Mm-hmm. In terms of Pertwee's performance. And to be honest, in terms of most of classic Who, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of angst. There's not a whole, you know. Introspection. Not a whole lot of introspection. Not a whole lot of necessary growth. That sort of thing. The Doctor is the stable thing around which everything else rotates. And so we don't necessarily get to see much of a range mm-hmm. with him, really. He plays someone different mm-hmm. from the comedic roles that he has done did in the it previously and in the future with Wurzel, but I'm not sure how much acting 
we necessarily saw. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's interesting for whatever reason that you start, you see, you know, Bill Hartnell coming from the old sergeant, you know, and not that we're typecasting people, but that's what he was coming from before Doctor Who. And so they cast him as sort of like, I don't know, he's an old guy. He'll look smart, I guess, right, Grandpa? And then you have sort of Pat Troughton, who I'm trying to remember his, but he came from a comedic background. Mm-hmm. And so definitely going for something a little bit lighter. And then you have John, comedic background, who they were, I guess, trying to continue. I don't know. I guess, you know, would they, because, you know, the second Doctor, though comedic, is not 100% comedic by any means. And so I wonder if they thought, like, well, that's the tone of the show. Because, I mean, like, to bring it lighter, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess you could. But why would you want to? I mean, I don't think, you know, the second Doctor was dour by any means. So no, I think yeah. in comparison to the first Doctor, it was certainly lighter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I guess it was just interesting. And then to then go, Tom, who I don't even know. what it, I mean, I'm sure he was doing theater work, but he certainly, I don't think, had tv work i will find out i was gonna say i mean yes. considering you know working on tune a... in next month or this month <laughs> yeah, I know. to find out considering he was on a work site when he you know got the, oh, yeah, the casting right. news I, yeah so but anyway all right well with that we're gonna go into the tardis library when you close your eyes i go to the library go to the library now and for this week, we're going to be doing a book review, except this time it'll be me. Yep. So oftentimes it is you. Yep. Well, don't, actually... Don't do too many spoilers, because I am going to read it at Yes, you had your chance, darling. I know, This I know. book was in this your was hands. This was my fault for a month. I know. And I read it in a week. I know. A little bit less. I d- yeah. Two weeks, actually. I don't want to exaggerate. But anyway, so this was from... Uh, it's The Vesuvius Club. Uh, it is by Mark Gaddis, who yes. we, we've talked about um, at length, of course, here. This was released in 2004, and I'm try, trying to find a short synopsis here. I don't know how short this is, so Can I'll try to... just go look at the back of the book? Oh, those are reviews. Thank you. Oh, there's so... a little bit of something there. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything about the book. So, um, so, just very quickly here, meet Lucifer Box. Who's the main character? Sorry, Lucifer Box. Meet Lucifer Box. Lucifer has a charming countenance and a rapier wit that makes him the guest all hostesses must have. And most do. But few of his conquests know that Lucifer is also His Majesty's most daring secret agent. At home in both London's imperial grandeur and in its underworld of despicable vice. So when Britain's most prominent scientists begin turning up dead, there's only one man his country can turn to for help. Following a dinnertime assassination... Lucifer is dispatched to uncover the whereabouts of missing agent Jocelyn Poop. Yeah, this made me laugh every time I read it. Um, along the way, he will give art lessons, be attacked by a poisonous centipede, bed a few choice specimens, and travel to Italy on business and pleasure. There's more, but that's, that's basically the long short of it. So this is a very interesting book. Mm. I, I, I was trying to think of how I was going to describe this to you. This is my best shot. It's Sherlock Holmes meets James Bond. Meets Monty Python. Uh, it's it's not... It's written of the time. So, which I think is both a plus and a minus. It, it's basically Mark Gaddis, if he wrote, you know, it was would have been like 1910, Edwardian, I guess is how they describe it, novel. I mean, it's it, it's it stays close to the style, but, I mean, he does have a little fun with it because it reminds me, and I'm sure there's a better example than this, but like every chapter... Or mostly every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Like, oh, and then I did this. Or then this happened. And then it was a 
it reminds me, I know there's better examples, but it always reminds me of Fear Street, which I read as a kid. R.L. Stein. Like, right, everything yeah. always ended with a, and yeah. I'm sure there's better examples of that, but anyway. Um, but it, it, it's also just very, because it's told from his point of view, and he's very full of himself. And and so, you know, it's, is, is he a likable character? I'll leave that for you to decide. Because yeah. uh, like I said, that's the James Bond version, which by the way, now that I think about it, I've never actually, of course, read James Bond. So it would be interesting to read it, not Ian, Ian Fleming. Yeah, just to be, because yeah. I know the character's a little bit different than what, what you'll see on TV, or the movies, I mean. But, you know, just sort of the stereotypical James Bond, all those bad things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but but he's, I, I couldn't help but picturing him as Mark Gaddis, read as Mark Gaddis. <laughs> right. And the it, Mark Gaddis we know now, not the one from Probe. Right, exactly. And I think it works. Like, I, I pictured him, and to me... He, he 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 fits you know maybe that's what, how i don't know how you, i haven't read an interview with him whether he pictures himself when he's writing this as the main characters i'm sure some people do uh kinky actually does belong in this book yeah because there are some not only assassinations but several assignations as well <laughs> look um, at you with your word play high five <laughs> <laughs> so and there's definitely ones that take definitely take a left turn you're like okay so, anyway, that, that's going Yes, I, and, you know, again, I didn't get very far in it before my a squirrel ran by or whatever. <laughs> but it felt, while it felt very sort of dime novel approach, it also felt very self-aware. And yes. sort of tongue-in-cheek in places. Yeah, it's, it's a big world, you know, where, uh, I mean, nothing's, well... Like I said, because it's a very James Bondy at the end. So it's just like every, you know, weird, evil plan, you know, that can happen in this world. So, but besides that, so, but it's, it's, all things are weird, but just the characters are a little bit slightly over the top while still believable. Yeah. But so like, there's this, so this is not a spoiler, but like, there's this weird scene because again, he's a secret agent and there's this thing where he goes to talk to his sort of handler and he sits on a toilet. And then there's like a thing where the stall comes down, and then the other guy comes out sitting on a toilet. And then he's like, "Oh, let's talk to this other guy." And he presses it, and then this toilet comes from the other side with the guy sitting on it. You know, and it's just like it's ridiculous, of course. But it's you know, sort of in that style. Yes. But so yeah, it's it's um I don't know it's it's good. Do I want to read two more books about it? I don't know, but we have two more books about but it. But so, we own two. So more I'm books going to. Out. But you know, so it's it's I'll let you have to read it because I you know it I think maybe. I'd be interested how much it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How far it can go considering what it's doing. So in other words, not a lot of great women parts, at least in this book. Now, is that because of the time period? I mean, because there's some other things that may have been of the time period, but it's also very modern, which I'll explain better when you've read it. You or know, is Mark Gaddis just a misogynist? Yeah, is that one? maybe that's as well. So, so yeah, I, I don't believe that, by the way. No, no. So that, that's, that would just be my only thing I think of. So, yeah. Because, like I said, but again, that's whole James Bondy again. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if... if mis- but I think Ian Fleming might have been a misogynist, yes. so there's that. Yeah, or at least a womanizer. I guess those are two different things. But anyway... Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, it's an interesting book. If you, if you stumble upon it or if you're looking for something that's a little bit out, uh, interesting, you know, like I said, it's it's a secret agent, early 20th century, late, late 19th century feel to it. So, yeah, it's interesting. Definitely something different from the mind of Mark Gaddis, who, you know, you certainly if you're a Doctor Who fan, you've certainly enjoyed stuff that he's done. So, yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You travel to um, Italy in here. 
obviously with a name like the Vesuvius Club, that should be... You, there should be some time spent in Italy, yeah. yeah no, so. I agree. Awesome. Well, until next week, we encourage you to enjoy reading, watching, and listening to The Doctor's Adventures throughout time, time and space. This is BBC Television.